How many remember that song I was just playing? Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares to you. That's where we have to get to, isn't it? Where nothing where nothing that we desire compares to Christ. Well, good morning, everybody, and sorry about the piano. I have no idea what happened, but it's got a very muffled and uh, odd sound, and it's happened a couple of times before when nothing apparently has changed, not that I've changed anyway. So, and then the screw falling off, I thought was a rat. Because it was, you know, this big and a mouse or whatever, and it was running really fast. Until I looked at it and saw that it was a big screw. So sorry about that. I don't like things that crawl. Not at all. But before we get into today's message, I want to make a couple of announcements. A few weeks ago, probably a month ago, the Lord impressed me to have an intercession Sunday. And we're going to do that next week. I want to have it in November, uh, so the, obviously the only Sunday left in November is next week. I'll have a very brief message, and the rest of the time we will spend in prayer, interceding. But for this, I want to, I want to focus on more spiritual needs, needs for our church, our country, our state, certainly our state. If ever a state in the United States needs a spiritual overhaul, it is California. And we'll have uh, some food and some decorations. Is that okay? Well, don't everybody say yes at once. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> So, this morning, I can't get that song off my heart. Lord, you are more precious than silver, more costly than gold, and more beautiful than diamonds. You know, the very first diamond that Jim bought me for our, my engagement was little teeny, which was perfectly fine and appropriate and normal for that age and that time. And we moved from, I believe it was when we moved, we moved quite a bit from uh, pastoring the church in Morgan Hill, I believe we moved to Tulare then, or was it backwards? Were you born in Morgan Hill? Then it was backwards. <laughs> it, was, it was Tulare first where Don was born and then we moved to Morgan Hill. Boy, it's hard to remember some of these things. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. And my wedding ring got lost. I put it in a drawer to save, keep it safe and not let it get hurt in the move. And 
Jim moved the drawer, but the ring was never found. And he bought me another one that was bigger and more beautiful and more shiny. And I can remember sitting at the kitchen table, looking at the light reflecting off one of the, I think it's called a fraction or one of the little pieces of that diamond and seeing the whole room just light up from the sparkle of that diamond. And then two years before he passed away, he said, I've never been happy with the rings that I've bought you. I'm going to buy you a really nice ring. And he did that. And I'm just, I have it in a safe. It's a beautiful ring and keeping it for another time. But the song says that he's more beautiful than diamonds. The sparkle of the diamond is his reflection. Oh, I just love it. Well, this morning I want to look at a passage that deals with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in the church, as a matter of fact. If you want to turn to Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or in deed, do all to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. I want to go into a little bit of background about this writing because it'll help us understand why Paul chose these words to the church of, in Coloss. Coloss was a small town located near a larger town, Laodicea, in the Roman-controlled territory of Asia Minor in what is now modern-day Turkey. So that kind of gives you an idea of the location of Coloss. While Paul was in Rome under house arrest, he was visited often by what he calls fellow servants and ministers from the church in Coloss. So even though Paul had never visited this church himself in person, he had been made very aware of the conditions in the city, the conditions in the church, and the specific uh, struggles that they were having through these visitors that came to visit him. One of those struggles was that the new Christians could no longer separate truth from a lie. Why is this? Because the Colossians were highly intellectual and they valued intellect and they had allowed very intellectual teachers to come into the church and they were teaching Greek mythology, the worship of angels, and of demonic beings, all mixed up together with the gospel of Christ. 
So no wonder Paul was driven to minister truth to them. And he said, I pray for you daily in your struggle. I recall when I was studying this topic in high school, thinking that Greek mythology, as we called it then, today it's called Greek phys- uh, philosophy, it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard of in my life. How could people honestly believe such garbage? But it was being taught. So this was exactly what the church in Colossus was struggling with and why Paul felt so responsible to help them as best he could, even from prison. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 16, Paul very deliberately brought them back to see the creative power of Christ and contrast that with these other beings and that Christ had utter dominion over all beings, angelic or demonic, and to recognize, for the church to recognize, his redemptive power for the church. Paul even reminded them of Christ's deity and how that the Father was so pleased and took such pleasure in the Son. Paul concluded that passage by confirming that they will be, the church will be, presented to God holy and unblameable in his sight only if they remain grounded in the faith and do not move away from the hope of the gospel, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Paul said, we've all worked so hard training and teaching every man wisdom so that we may present you through Christ whole and complete. In chapter 2, he goes on to say, don't turn back, stay rooted and stay built upon him, established in your faith, just like you were at the first when you received Christ. They were so thankful then that their eyes had been opened to the truth of Christ and their hearts knew that their Redeemer lived, yet now they'd allowed the world to penetrate through these false teachers coming into the church and they had diluted the truth, the truth of the word of God and now they were no longer thankful but they were scared and confused. Paul admonished them, beware lest any man spoil you through deception, through philosophy, through vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Guard your hearts against this, he wrote. It doesn't matter what the world teaches in the name of education or intellect if it doesn't line up with the truth of the gospel. Last week I was having a conversation with Jacob. He got to come over for a little while and spend an afternoon with me and I said, Jacob, what are you studying in school? Guess what he said? Greek philosophy. And I said, you know, Jacob, just because 
you're hearing this from a teacher in school or you're reading it out of a book that the school gave you doesn't mean it's true because it doesn't line up with what the Bible teaches. And he said, Grandma, I know it's just a story. I just thanked the Lord right then and there that he knew it's critical that we know what the Bible says. Can you even grasp the thought that a church would allow this kind of thing? We may not see Greek philosophy taught today, but we see other things that don't line up with the Bible. I want to read these same verses in the Message Bible because I like the way that the message comes home in this passage. And I'm adding verse uh, 11, I believe it is. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe that God has picked out for you. I just love this. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength and discipline. Be even-tempered and content with being in second place quick to forgive any offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master has forgiven you. And regardless of what else you put on, put on love. Actually, it says wear love, for it's your basic all-purpose garment. Don't ever be without it. And let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. Stay in step with each other. Let's have none of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, which is the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. <laughs> and sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail of your lives, your words, your actions, whatever you do, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. What an instruction book for how to live an overcoming life today even in the presence of false teaching. This is the way. And the King James Version said that we're to teach each other the truth. How? By singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Why would Paul tell us to do such a thing as sing to teach? Because it keeps our heart engulfed in truth and it proclaims prophetic words when we sing those songs. We need to be thankful. Whenever I'm confused or feeling ineffective or just anything that the devil would try to bring to discourage, I have a playlist of piano worship music by a wonderful pianist named Stan Whitmire. And I play those songs over and over again. And I'm not kidding you, I can just hear the first few notes 
and instantly my heart is melted and open before the Lord, and he's there. The song list starts with my favorite song. We sang it last Sunday, Blessed Assurance. And the introduction that he gives is just beautiful, and I hear three notes, three notes, and I know exactly what's coming is the presence of the Lord, and it puts me in a thankful position. My last thought, in Leviticus chapter 7, God lays out the laws for sacrifices. The people could choose to bring a peace offering, but then they could voluntarily add another component to the peace offering, so it would be a peace offering with thanksgiving. According to these laws, the thankful Israelite would bake 40 loaves of bread, 30 of them unleavened and 10 leavened. And he would choose his finest lamb and make the journey to the temple in Jerusalem. When he arrived at the temple, he would give a portion of the bread to the priest as the law required. And then the priest would take the lamb and sacrifice it unto the Lord. After the lamb had been cooked according to the laws, the priest would take that sacrificial lamb off of the altar and give it back to the thankful Israelite who had offered it in the first place. What a beautiful picture of the love of the Lord. He sacrificed his only son, but then he gave him right back to us for our Redeemer and our friend. It covers both eternity and it covers right now, the sacrifice. So even if things get really tough and you just can't come up with anything to be thankful for, you have this. The sacrificial lamb was given to the world and then just given to you and I for redemption and a relationship with that lamb. I hope that this is a message that helps us to see that being thankful is so critical to our walk with God. Critical to obtaining the prize that Paul said he strove to obtain the prize. To staying on the right track and staying in fellowship with one another. I'd prefer to have everything just go my way, the easy way. No testing, no trials, no delays, no questions, no fears, no doubts. But that isn't God's way. Because in Thessalonians, it tells us that it is the will of God that we be thankful in all things and that he's provided a way for us to do that because some things are not easy to be thankful in, but through Christ we have a way to be strengthened and to be both physically and spiritually strengthened 
and give thanks. Will you stand with me? Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. You're more precious than silver and more costly than gold. And Lord, I want my heart always to be able to say that there's nothing that I desire more than you. Oh God, more than fellowship with you, more than right standing in you, Lord, more than the pursuit of your plan for me. Nothing stands in the way of that. There's nothing greater than that fellowship with the Lamb. Lord, I pray today that you would guide us and lead us into thanksgiving this week, Lord. Lord, hope, open our eyes and help us to understand and see things that we didn't even realize before that we can be thankful for. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this message. And I thank you for this precious, precious people. God, go with them. Be with them. Be their covering, oh, Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, that name that is above every name, that there is such power in. Amen and amen. amen. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus.